At Journey Beyond Divorce, we understand that navigating through the emotional tsunami of separation and divorce is one of the hardest journeys you'll take. And we know that once the initial fear and pain begins to pass, a whole new storm of confusion, uncertainty, and self-doubt can surface. Journey Beyond Divorce can help you identify and clarify where you're feeling stuck and what steps you need to move forward, even if they're just baby steps. We guide you with practical, tangible support that you can start implementing right away. Our team of experienced divorce coaches is ready to help you. Listen through the show because we have a gift just for you. It'll help you navigate your divorce with more calm and confidence. You're listening to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast with Karen McMahon. We invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience. Heal your heart while refining your character and enable you to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. That's another beauty of mediation is it is a malleable uh, platform. You're listening to our series on divorcing a narcissist and high conflict divorce. If you've felt emotionally battered in your marriage and now feel like you're failing again because an amicable divorce is simply not possible, this series is for you. Designed to honor the complex, emotionally tumultuous set of circumstances you're facing, we provide a playbook, a deep level of guidance and support to bolster you through and beyond the divorce process. Our guests include mental health professionals, attorneys, court-appointed experts for the children, and more. Welcome back, everyone. Today's episode explores how and when mediation is a viable option in high-conflict divorce. A few months ago, I had a limiting belief that you just can't mediate a high-conflict divorce, and that belief was challenged and changed, and today I want to share what I learned from the mediator who set me straight. She's going to walk us through what mediation is, why it's worth considering the benefits and drawbacks of mediation and how to determine if you can mediate with your high conflict spouse. Bottom line, we'll learn that many high conflict divorces can be mediated under the right circumstances and that not all high conflict divorces can be mediated. So today's guest, Susan Guthrie, is nationally recognized as one of the top family law and mediation attorneys in the country. And she's been helping families navigate separation and divorce for over 30 years. Susan provides online divorce mediation and legal coaching services to select clients around the world and is one of the leading experts in online mediation. And Susan trains other professionals in how to conduct mediation online. Finally, Susan hosts the Divorce and Beyond podcast, which has debuted on iTunes' top podcast list. Welcome, Susan. Thank you, Karen. I'm so happy to be here with you. I'm really excited about today's conversation. Uh, 
let's set the stage by talking just a little bit about what mediation is before we get into the high conflict issue. Sure, that's a, a very good place to start because honestly, many people still or do have a misunderstanding or a misconception about what mediation is. And it's really just another pathway to work through the issues of your divorce. And I always explain to people that by far most divorces go forward to judgment with an agreement. Um, I think it's it's well over 95%. It's really like 97% of cases across the country. The parties are somehow able to reach an agreement on all of the outstanding issues of their case, and they go forward with a nice written what we call marital settlement agreement or separation agreement. Um, and so mediation is just one of the pathways to get to that agreement. The more common way that people think of uh, would be negotiation, whether that be between the two spouses sitting at the kitchen table or much more commonly between the, their two attorneys negotiating back and forth, or perhaps in the collaborative setting where uh, you know everyone's at the table with their professionals working it out. So mediation is a method where the two parties with or without their attorneys, it depends, uh, sit with a neutral third party who's there to help them identify the issues that need to be talked about, to understand the law around those issues. And then very, very importantly, because these are tough conversations, the mediator is there to facilitate their conversation, to help them have the discussion, which is often difficult, about each one of those issues so that the parties ultimately can make decisions about how they want to move forward with their agreement. How does somebody who's most likely lost themselves or the self-esteem. How do they, how does that work for them to be mediating with a neutral? Well, so the neutral is there to support both of the parties. Um, but I would say that that person, um, and this is really one of the key factors in a high conflict mediation or any divorce, I think, that has a high conflict element, is that the party who has been, uh, I'll call the the uh, abused spouse, I don't, I don't know a better term for it, the spouse who's been on the receiving end of the high conflict behavior, that spouse is going to need to get some support and some help. And that is not the role of the mediator in general. The mediator's role, as I said, is a neutral. That mediator is there to support both of the parties Oftentimes, part of the support for the disadvantaged spouse is helping them find the professionals who can help them. Because as you just said, which is 100% is true, often as a result of having been in a relationship for an extended period of time with uh, you know, an individual who is high conflict, they are feeling that they are unable to stand up for themselves, self-advocate, um, operate within the normal communication channels that this couple has established. Um, so one of the things that is very important is that they have some outside support, be that a uh, counselor, therapist, or much more often, if it's a high conflict case, I suggest a coach like yourself who is skilled in supporting someone who is in a high conflict relationship. 
Okay, so 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 the the person gets some support, um, and then there's the issue of if you're meeting with the neutral, how do you know? Uh, how do you know your rights, and and what do you do with where that conversation goes? And so that issue of having a second attorney, how do you describe that person? And can you talk a little bit about having uh, that legal advisor on the side? Absolutely, because it's really a, a key and very important factor in a high conflict divorce. Uh, so just because people are in mediation, they often think that is attorneyless divorce. And that is not necessarily the case. There are certainly people who can go through a mediation process, especially ones who have a mediator who also happens to be an attorney. Not that that person is there to represent either of the parties, but they can certainly give them an extremely nuanced understanding of the law. Um, and that is, in any case, what a mediator is there to do. But it's going to be a neutral understanding of the law. It's not going to be in the realm of legal advice. So in all of my cases, but certainly in the high conflict cases, I also suggest that as part of the support team that both parties have, but at least the party who's disadvantaged has what I call a consulting attorney. Um, and that attorney is there to advise the person to whatever extent they need, be it a broad scope of every single step of the way, all the way down to on an as-needed basis, help the person with not only an understanding of the law and their rights and obligations under the law, but also to help with things like negotiation strategy. Um, certainly, you're, there are many, many people in the world who are not like me who negotiate every single day of my professional life for 30 years. And so negotiation itself can be something of an unknown quantity or, or process. And um, so having an attorney is not just someone advising you on the law. It's also helping you to build out your proposals, examine the proposals of the other side, and work up counterproposals and just walk through what the negotiation process looks like, because many people just don't understand it. Um, I, I can tell you so many times one party will come to the table, put everything there, you know, on the table. This is like, I think this is really reasonable. I think you should take this. This is great. And then they put everything out on the table and they're shocked and appalled that that doesn't fly with the other party. And they're not, you know, they've put their entire case out on the table. They don't have anything more to give or more to negotiate. So there's much more to negotiation. And that consulting attorney is really a, one of the critical members. I, I, I mentioned the divorce coach or the high conflict coach, but having a good consulting attorney, especially one who understands high conflict personalities, because as you and I both know, that's also an additional sort of specialty, I would say. Not every attorney, you know, we in law school don't receive any training or if any, not much at all, training on high conflict personalities and how to deal with them. Um, so, you know, for a person facing a high conflict divorce, certainly finding the professionals who have that experience and skill is important. Right. That's, that's so critical. And then the other piece of it is there are so many different attorneys out there, some who uh, are very prone toward 
being litigious and conflict oriented. And so what what would be the piece of advice for that consulting attorney that you would give our listeners maybe a, a couple of tips on what to look for besides the experience with high conflict? Yeah, so this is actually a wonderful question, and I actually just interviewed my training partner, Woody Mostyn, for my podcast, and Woody is, you know, one of the leading lights in family mediation. He's referred to as the grandfather of family law mediation, and I asked him this question, so I love that you asked me, but I'm going to paraphrase from Woody. Uh, So one of, some of the most important things are ask your mediator, first off, for some recommendations for attorneys that would be helpful to you because your mediator, especially hopefully if they're a good one, one, they should have a list of attorneys that are mediation friendly, but also are of sort of a range. As an example, I have mediation attorneys and some of them I know are very cut and dried and very you know, sensible and not really the warm fuzzy types. And then I have some that are more empathic and more, um, mm. you know, more compassionate and more will- coming at the aspect from that perspective, more support. Everybody needs a different type of attorney. The one thing I would say is if you're in mediation, you need an attorney who's mediation friendly, who understands that process. But then there is a range of attorneys and, and their styles and types. And a good mediator is going to have referrals to different types of individuals and knowing the clients they're dealing with. As an example, in a high conflict divorce where I have one, you know, relatively high conflict party and then I have the party who's disadvantaged, I'm going to refer the one disadvantaged spouse to a different style of mediation friendly attorney probably than I'm going to refer the high conflict personality to. Uh, Because it's important, and this is something that everyone needs to understand, it's important that both sides, including the high conflict personality, are supported and feel that they are getting the advice that they need so that they can stay in the mediation process. And that is not something many people want to hear when they are the disadvantaged spouse, that the high conflict person needs to be supported as well. But the problem that they run into is if the high conflict person is not feeling supported, if they feel that they are being singled out or berated or treated poorly in the mediation process, which is often what the disadvantaged spouse is looking for from the mediator, then the then the high conflict person is just going to leave mediation. And then the other party does not get the benefit of moving through the mediation process. They're going to get stuck in a litigation process, which is going to cost time. I mean, you know this. You're, I'm sure your listeners know that your story. You know, this is going to be time, money, and an unbelievable amount of angst because you couldn't keep the high conflict person in mediation. Right. I think that's such a wonderful point. And so often clients who are divorcing a high conflict personality feel like they need to hire a high conflict attorney and then they're like doubly abused through the process. And so the fact that you just mentioned the more empathic attorney for someone who needs to be able to understand, gather information, maybe process a little slower, get a little bit more support is brilliant. And the other piece of it, and I know we're going to get into this with how you mediate too, is that oftentimes 
my listeners, the the disadvantage is thinking, well, you know, anyone who sees this is going to understand and, um, you know, and and lean toward my side or, or you know, I'm going to quote unquote win. And that concept that we need to support both parties and for a very strategic purpose so that the mediation actually succeeds. I mean, I couldn't have said it better. It is it is of vital importance to the disadvantaged party that the high conflict personality has some level of comfort in the mediation process so that they will stay there. And the thing to remember is that mediation is 100% voluntary. Yes, you can be ordered there by the court, but that's usually only with respect to custodial matters. And they can't make you stay in mediation. The court can order you to go try it, but if you're unsuccessful in mediation, the court has to try your case. But if you wanna move through mediation with your high conflict spouse, for all of the myriad reasons why it is a better option for you to be in mediation with them. It's faster, it's less expensive, you can be more supported. Um, All the things that you just said, you know, it won't cost you the arm and a leg and the years of your life that a litigated high conflict divorce will. Um, You need the other party to participate. And so, it is strategic. I love that you use that word. And that is something that, you know, when I talked about the the consulting attorney, strategy, being smart about how you move through the process, being smart about how you negotiate, how you incentivize the high conflict personality, understanding what makes them tick. Those are all advantages that the person who's been in that relationship with that high conflict personality actually has, and they don't know that power. And somebody needs to help them find it. Again, the coach, the high conflict, uh, you know, the attorney who understands a high conflict personality. Um, I love, Bill Eddy always says, you can't change a high conflict personality, but you can learn to manage them when Mm -hmm. you understand their behaviors and their behavior patterns. Um, And that is actually where you have a great deal of power at the negotiating table in mediation. Um, You just need help finding it often. Yeah. And I would say the other thing, if you're listening in, you, you have to have gotten to a place of acceptance and accepting that the high conflict personality is who he or she is. And once you accept it, then the options for being strategic and effective and negotiating it are there. When you're in that place of he or she should just change and why are they and all of that resistance, you're not ready. You're not going to be able to do that. And so that step of acceptance is vital. And that's where, uh, honestly, that's where the coach comes in. Um, that's why I think it's such an important um, aspect for someone going through, if they're not, especially if they're not at that point of the acceptance, because I, you know, I work with clients all of the time in mediation, in some of my coaching, and they're still writing those, you know, those epic emails to their high conflict other side, whether it's spouse or co-parent, thinking that if I just 
point out to them the error of their ways and how their behavior is not helping or not good for our children or contradicts the facts, they're going to change. And that is never going to happen. Um, and your power actually lies in that acceptance, as you sa- say, because once you accept, you can start to recognize their patterns and you can learn how to manage their behaviors. And that's where you can start moving forward. And, um, you know, so if you're getting help learning to do that and then have an attorney, a consulting attorney supporting you, when you come to the mediation table, and I say that, you know, in quotes, because as you know, I do everything online. So you're never actually at a table. You're usually sitting on your couch, but um, you're able to think you know, and be, and plan things out rationally, incentivize your, and phrase your proposals in a way that is going to incentivize your high conflict spouse so that you can move through the process and achieve as many of your goals as possible. You're never going to get everything. No one ever gets everything they want in a divorce. You're not going to get it if you mediate. You're not going to get it if you go to collaborative and you're not going to get it if you go to court. No one gets everything they want, but you can pick and choose in mediation and And that's another critical uh, benefit of mediation is that you get to pick and choose what you can and cannot live with. Absolutely. And and I want to kind of take a step back for a second, because one of the things I, I had raised this with you is when you're in that high conflict situation, you might be, uh, cut off from finances or have like major issues with with um, shared parenting and the courts there are certain things that are beneficial in terms of filing with the court and so can you just explain to us how that works like can you do both can you file with the court and mediate and when would you encourage my listeners that disadvantaged party to consider filing even if they want to mediate yeah, there are a lot of benefits to filing and proceeding with mediation, and, and it's wonderful you bring that up because it's another area where I think people think it's all or all one thing or the other. Um, so one of the reasons very often why, especially in a high-conflict case, why someone might want to file the divorce action is that it puts into place something we call automatic Um, the automatic orders of the court or automatic temporary restraining orders. And those are just orders that go into place as soon as a divorce is filed. Almost every state, if not every state, has them. And for the most part, they put a freeze other than ordinary payments and ordinary transactions and ordinary living. Um, It puts a freeze on the party's finances And so that nobody can go and start running up credit card debt or transferring funds or selling assets or doing the sneaky things that we know, especially high conflict personalities can do. Um, It also can put some orders in place around the custody of the children, access to the children. And importantly, it gives you access to the court should you need it. So this is something that people don't always understand is you need what I call a vehicle to get into a courtroom and get before a judge. If you needed, say, 
temporary orders of support because your spouse refuses to give you any money, or if you need uh, temporary custodial orders because your, your spouse is not giving you access to your children. So, But you can't just go walk into a courtroom and say, I want a judge to listen to me. There has to be a pending action and there has to be a properly filed motion, which is your avenue into that courthouse. So with a high conflict spouse, filing the divorce means that it's pending, it's ready to go. It's sometimes a good incentive to that party because they know you have the ability to turn around and go to court. Although this can turn both ways, right? They also have the ability to turn around and go to court. But importantly, the other thing that will start happening beyond the ATROs or the automatic um, temporary restraining orders is many states have waiting periods or cool off periods that the case has to have been pending for a certain period of time before you can finalize the divorce. So if you're going to mediation and you work through all of your issues and get your written agreement and everything's ready to go, and then you file your divorce, then you may end up waiting. Uh, California, I think, is six months um, from the date of filing the divorce. Connecticut, where I used to practice or do, do practice, is 90 days, although they've instituted a, a streamlined process for mediated cases. But every state has some sort of delay so that people don't just get upset and go get divorced. So there can be a lot of good reasons to file the divorce. And then you sort of put it on hold. And most states are very respectful of the mediation process. So if you, in fact, many of them have a form you can file with the court saying, yes, we filed, Your Honor, but we're in mediation. We're asking that our, our case be put on hold or put in, you know, hold status. So we're not, you know, accruing court dates. And the courts are usually very happy to do that. They would much prefer that you work through your issues outside of court than to come into court and a judge has to do it for you. There are very limited, and right now, no, or or, uh, extremely limited court resources available to people. Right, right. So that, what a what a great and thorough answer. And so my, my follow-up to that is who, who would do the filing? Would it be the consulting attorney? Can the person do it themselves? What do you recommend? It can be either one. It can be the, uh, sometimes the mediator prepares the forms and documents for the clients. I do that for clients all of the time um, when I'm doing a mediation, if they want to get it filed again, so that the six months will start running in California. I do a lot of mediations there. Um, In other states, in Connecticut, as I mentioned, they have a streamlined process. So much less often will we actually file it. But so the mediator can do it if they are, Uh, properly licensed and permitted under the rules of the court in that state. Um, If not, yes, the consulting attorney could do it or the pro se. Every court in the country, because I think the the statistic right now is something like 85% of divorces pending in court, and this was pre-COVID, so maybe it's a little different now, but 85% of the divorces pending in court have at least one party who is self-represented. Now, so that means they don't have an attorney at all or they don't have an attorney of record. Uh, So almost every court, certainly everyone that I know of, has 
created a more streamlined and simpler fashion for filing the paperwork and usually have either videos or self-help access on the court website to help people fill out the forms. Okay, great. So if, if any of those, um, those examples of why it's beneficial apply to you, then that's something that you can kind of put on your short to-do list. We're there right when you need us the most, and we make sure you have all the tools and resources at your fingertips, guiding and supporting you between calls to be more effective. I was very fortunate to find Journey Beyond Divorce. I would go searching for any piece of information that could either A, give me more knowledge about the divorce process itself, or B, could talk me down emotionally. And I found that Journey Beyond Divorce was really instrumental in providing both things. One, the guidance of the divorce process itself, as well as talking about self-maintenance and what does the individual need to do to kind of cope with it. Let us help you gain a broader perspective and determine your best next steps with our free Rapid Relief Lifeline call. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call. I asked you about the consulting attorney. So my my biggest resistance to this concept that we can mediate uh, with high conflict is um, the mediator being aware, savvy, educated, skilled, uh, pick your pick your adjective, mm-hmm. in dealing with high-conflict divorces. So can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, because it's, it's truly important. And, and I do acknowledge that this can be the challenge um, for people who are looking for a mediator who has experience of high-conflict divorce. Uh, one of the, the ways to find a mediator would be, you know, through that search online um, where you find a mediator who has experience with high conflict divorce. Um, You and I both, I've mentioned Bill Eddy um, and the High Conflict Institute is his organization. Um, With Megan Hunter, uh, many mediators go through their high conflict training program and any mediator who's been through that training program, um, I would say is probably going to be a good resource. So that's one place to start, uh, the highconflictinstitute.com. And do they have, Susan, do they have a directory where someone could just go and look up a mediator there or would that be the question that they would ask? I think, I'll be honest, I don't know. I know, I don't know if they put it out there on their website that, you know, these people have taken our training. Um, I suspect that they do, but um, I I know that everyone there is incredibly helpful um, and all of the attorneys and trainers through the Institute are incredibly helpful. So even if they don't have that listing, if you can just get someone there, send them an email, get someone on the phone and ask for referrals, I think that that's going to be an excellent resource. Um, Again, anyone through that office, and certainly Bill is available um, but he's, of course, at limited in time and ability to mm. uh, handle cases. But 
definitely a great place to start. Uh, many mediators who do have experience of, you know, most of us got our experience, I will say, and, and where I got my experience was as a high conflict litigator. Um, the, the place I learned how to manage high conflict personalities was not in the mediation room or in mediation training. It was through years of going to court with high conflict cases. Um, and many divorce attorneys who practice and, you know, sooner or later, we're all going to run up against them. Um, every, you know, a high preponderance of high conflict marriages end up in high conflict divorces. So, you know, if you're doing divorce for a period of time, you're going to run into high conflict divorces. The difference is those who've learned how to handle it and those who, you know, have not either had some training or just uh, through sheer force of, of will have learned how to, you know, manage the, the, uh, the high conflict personalities. Um, but certainly talking to mediators who you find online who, who state that they have experience with high conflict divorce and high conflict personalities, I would be talking to them and asking them, um, you know, what, what their experience would be with high conflict personalities. Where did they, you know, why do they call themselves an expert in high conflict divorce? Was it because they, they handled litigation cases? Is it because they've had advanced training um, or that they've handled you know, over 50 cases with high conflict personalities. Um, there are people out there. It's a matter of, of really doing some, some research and talking to them about their qualifications. Yeah, and, and I just want to say, when you go to meet with these people, it's, it's very emotionally overwhelming. Uh, all these questions Susan is giving us, write them down. Go with all of the questions that you have for either the the. Uh, consulting attorney or the mediator so that you don't forget and you get all your questions answered. If someone feels that uncomfortable, can they have their attorney with them at the table? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that's another beauty of mediation is it is a malleable uh, platform. It can be handled in a myriad of different ways based upon the needs of the parties. So it can be a situation where both parties are present and their two attorneys. So it's really either a five-person process or a six-person process if you're co-mediating. Um, and that's, perf that's done all the time, especially in high-conflict situations where one of the parties, you know, does not feel comfortable uh, representing themselves or self-advocating. Other things, though, can be done to, you know, sort of alleviate the stress. Another possibility is doing what we call caucus-style mediation, where the two parties are in separate rooms, so you are not sitting at a table staring at your high-conflict personality, um, person, you you are in another room, and essentially your mediator does what I call shuttle diplomacy. They go back and forth talking to the two of you, but where you're not, you're able to talk directly to the mediator without the other party sitting there watching you, listening to you, usually arguing with you. So that's another option. A, a third option is what I do, which is online mediation. Uh, so my mediations are one hundred percent conducted and have been, I've been an online mediator, mediator way before COVID hit, um, where everybody is 
online. Everybody's, I usually do it on Zoom or another platform called Modron. And either visible to each other, but again, distant because you are now in separate spaces um, and only visible online. There's an advantage to that because again, you know this person that you are dealing with. Yes, they may have been and may be a high conflict personality, abusive, et cetera, but every person that I've ever dealt with in a high conflict, pers- uh, high conflict relationship has insights that they may not even know they have into the patterns and behaviors of their in their high conflict individual. And it can be helpful to actually see them while you are having these discussions. And just by being remote from each other in space, you're actually able to control the emotional response to them. It's actually a biological um, fact is you're just not releasing the same stress and mm. uh, hormones like cortisol that you would if you are sitting in the same room with them. Um, But again, even online, you can be in those separate rooms. We call them breakout rooms online. And you can be doing the back and forth shuttle diplomacy online as well. So there are many different ways other than just the two of you sitting at a table with a third party mediator to conduct a mediation. There are others where it's done asynchronously, sorry, asynchronously, where the mediator will talk with one of the parties in a meeting and then in a whole separate meeting could be the next day, could be the next week, have a conversation with the other spouse. Takes longer, but things can also be done that way as well. There's many different ways that we can do it. And that is, again, that is a a benefit of the mediation process. Yeah, it actually sounds so comforting for the person who's just so triggered and and their skin is, you know, their skin is thin, they're very sensitive. And so I love that there are so many different options to choose from. And and I was just going to ask you about the online and especially now, can you just speak, I know you mentioned it earlier, but when you're going through a high conflict marriage and you finally make a decision to divorce, in today's day and age, in the midst of COVID, uh, the 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 length of time, which was pretty long before in some states. Like, what are we dealing with now? And what's the benefit to the online uh, mediation in comparison? Yeah, so right now, I mean, online mediation is is one of the only games in town for people. Mm. Uh, most courts, as we sit here in the midst of COVID and social distancing and quarantine, most family courts are closed except for emergency cases. And while everyone feels that their personal situation is an emergency, Truly emergencies in the family court arena at this moment are domestic violence cases where restraining orders are needed, uh, where children have been uh, kidnapped by one parent or the other parental kidnapping cases, um, or true extremes um, where one, you know, there's a possibility of a parent trying to flee the jurisdiction with the children or something like that. So it is extremely difficult in most cases right now to get an actual court date. Um, Some courts are doing online proceedings, but again, those tend to be things like status conferences, not full-on hearings. And that's just, you know, it's taking the courts a while to get up to speed. So online mediation, which as I said earlier, is fully 
conducted online through video conferencing um, is really one of the only games in town and it's perfectly suited to a divorce situation, uh, whether it's a low conflict or high conflict, there is something, I mean, we all know that one of the things that makes divorce and the divorce process so difficult in, is that it's so hard to manage our emotions and mm-hmm. putting two people in a room together who are going through a divorce is not a great way to reduce that stress level for people or that emotional content. But when people can be in, instead of in some stranger's conference room, they can be in their own home, sitting on their couch, most often with their dog or cat, um, going through the, the mediation process, in and of itself, they feel more emotionally regulated, they feel calmer, they feel better able to process what's happening and make reasoned and and less emotional decisions. Um, so it's actually a wonderful process for people to go through a divorce mediation. That's one of the reasons why I switched to an online platform five years ago. Um, and clients have loved it from the day I started doing it. And it's really caught on, obviously, because of COVID lately. Um, but there's many, re- you know, it's it's faster, it's easier to schedule, it's more convenient. You don't have to sit in traffic. Uh, there's there's a, so many reasons why an online proceeding can be helpful uh, to people. And certainly in that high conflict situation, again, because you have a person and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but you know your listeners may not even realize when someone is so traumatized over a period of time, they get into the same room with that person, feel the emotion heating up, and their amygdala starts firing. The emotion, the 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 hormones start you know pumping out. The cortisol starts rising, and they get caught in that like fight or flight. You know, it's just a reaction we cannot control. And part of that is triggered by being in the same room with the person we're getting divorced from who's triggering us. You know, their behaviors are triggering us. So, a very quick way to get better control of our own emotional content is to not be in the room with them. And that, you know, that is inherent in an online mediation proceeding. I also firmly believe that, you know, when the parties can at least see each other online, but not have to be in the same room, the whole process moves more quickly. Because as I said, you know, a great deal of communication happens through our facial expressions. And so if you can actually see the other person and you can hear the inflection in their tone when they're talking, not necessarily always what they say, that's that those are the two biggest hallmarks of our communication and so people are much better able to tolerate seeing each other during the mediation process during these conversations when they're remote virtually than when they sit in the same room together yeah it it does it just sounds and especially in today's day and age but in general it does sound like which is shocking to me because Susan, a couple of months ago, I like never would have imagined having this conversation. And yet you do such a beautiful job of laying out all of the benefits. And what other experts would you suggest they reach out to? Uh, Well, definitely Lindsay Ellison, um, the author of Magic Words, How to Get What You Want from a Narcissist. Um, By the way, I highly recommend that book. Um, It's, it's, 
I, I have it right next to my desk at all times because I deal with narcissists day in and day out as a mediator um, and, and attorney. So she, um, Lindsay actually has a training program uh, that helps mediators learn to manage high conflict personalities in divorce. So she'd be another good resource because she would know who has taken her training program. Um, That's a great idea. And we actually have a show. We, we, we spoke to Lindsay. And so there's an entire episode that you can listen into where she talks about some of the tips in her book so that that's available to you. Oh, that's that's great. a great idea to use her to reach out to her for a, a mediator. And then what about the financial end of things? Because I think that's the other one where there's a lot of fear and insecurity. You can have a financial professional in a litigated divorce as well, but it's just a different approach. Um, so one of the big ways, in, especially with narcissists, but one of the big ways that um, high conflict personalities dominate the other party or exert their power of the other party is to withhold money, withhold finances, control through, you know, they say money is power. It is in many ways in a relationship. Um, so often when we have that disadvantaged spouse, they're also financially disadvantaged. When someone is, you know, if somebody's sitting there holding the purse strings, they are much less likely to be the disadvantaged spouse. They generally um, have been placed in that position over time. And it's usually a slow attrition um, down to what we most often see is, I, I had a lady say it to me yesterday, I get an allowance every month of $300, yep. right? That word makes me cringe. I get an allowance, <laughs> um, but I hear it all the time. So Getting one of the things because money is power and because people have been disenfranchised from that power by being removed from access to funds, they often have one of their biggest fears in the divorce process around money. Am I going to have enough? Will I will I understand how to get it? I just want to get free. I'm willing to give them, you know, take nothing. Um, none of those things are are good options. Um, and one of the things that I recommend for everyone going through divorce, except for the simplest of cases, but definitely in a case where there's a high conflict personality, and if there is that power imbalance over money, is getting a certified divorce financial advisor um, involved. Because a CDFA uh, is going to be able to educate that person, help them understand the finances, and really importantly, plan their financial future. And that's empowering. And I know that word empowerment gets overused a lot, but Knowing your money, knowing how to manage it, whether it's a ton or a little, is truly an empowering thing. And it is going to be another key factor in helping support the disadvantaged spouse to make decisions to get out of that relationship and move forward in a good way. So definitely. So one of the things I believe in as a mediator is helping my clients build their teams. Um, and yep. sometimes it's bringing in a neutral so it's bringing in another, you know, bringing in a financial professional who's going to help both sides. I have a case going on right now where I have a lovely couple, not high conflict, but they have a pretty complicated financial situation that they are very willing to be very open-minded to come up, coming up with creative solutions on how to do certain things. And so we brought in a neutral financial professional who has been amazing to work with. We've moved light years in their case in just two sessions based upon his advice um, and recommendations. 
But sometimes, and especially in a high conflict case, sometimes that professional needs to be supporting one of the parties or both (laughs) sides might need that support if that's what feels fair to the high conflict person. And you have to remember that. I just want to really make sure that people grab this nuance. If the high conflict person is going to feel left out because they're not getting their own professional, when the disadvantaged spouse is, sometimes you have to get a neutral or a um, support person, a support professional for both of them. And that's where your good mediator is, again, going to help each side find the right type of professional for them. Um, And, you know, we all should, yeah, I've been doing this so long. I know so many professionals in different areas. There's a different CDFA that I would advise, that I would recommend to a high conflict personality than I would recommend to the disadvantaged spouse. So, but it's very important. Yeah. And I would say that it's probably one of my only tells is uh, that no matter where you are on the financial spectrum, especially in high conflict, uh, it's probably a big area of fear, which means that you're not as comfortable with money. And having a professional who lives and breathes money and who can forecast and budget with you is going to add such a level of comfort and confidence that you'll be able to go to the table um, knowing you have this person to ask questions to to rely on, and it's 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 key. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so what haven't I asked you? What else do we, do you want to share with our listeners before we wrap up? That's um, that's important for them to know. You know, I think, and I've touched on it, but because I believe this to be so important, I, I really want to to drive it home. I truly believe that, and and often I will not work with a couple in mediation when it's a high conflict situation, if the disadvantaged spouse does not have a coach to help them. Because honestly, the process is almost doomed to fail if they don't have that support. Um, Because it goes right back to what you said at the very beginning of this, this discussion, is this person has been through usually years of being put down, being belittled, being being made smaller, and to expect them to come into the mediation process and manage it in any other way other than utter fear, and they're just going to accept whatever's offered so they can get out. Um, If they don't have help with the emotional side of it and understanding the dynamic of what they're dealing with, then it becomes a situation where they go through mediation and it might end up with what you feared all along. And what you talked about when we first talked about this so long ago is a very lopsided agreement. Right. Which is the last thing that we want. And it's so important. I mean, I I came from that. I was such a, I was such a shell of myself. I had, I had zero confidence and, and, to make the kinds of big decisions and to sit at a table or online with this person who's been bullying, berating, you know, whatever is, 
you can't do that alone. It's like drowning in the ocean and waving off the, the lifeguard and saying, I don't need you, I'll manage. You're going to go under. And then you get to be a victim one more time post-mediation because I got screwed. Don't put yourself in that position. Set yourself up so that you have the support you need. It's the best investment. And if you're afraid about money, it's not spending, it's investing. In the long run, you're going to be in so much of a better position, both emotionally and in that settlement post-divorce. So I, I completely agree with you there, Susan. Yeah, that's a, actually, I love that phrase. It's it's investing, not spending. Um, because the other thing, you know, and it will save you money in the end. I just want people to understand this. When someone is feeling disadvantaged or is disadvantaged and is going through the divorce negotiation process in any realm, whether it's litigation, negotiation, mediation, collaborative divorce, if they don't have a feeling of power, if they don't have that ability to feel that they can make agreements, then they are just going to continue to sort of, I always call it circle around the drain. And they, they will end up just giving up at some point. It will be an agreement that they don't believe in, that they didn't want. They're just bringing it to the end. Or they'll be unable to make decisions. And then the mediation process or the negotiation process or whatever it is, is just going to drag on forever and cost yeah. you more and more money. And you're going to raise the ire of the other side because you're never pulling the trigger on an agreement. You're never agreeing to anything. And the goal is, again, to get to that 97% of cases. Think about that. That is a huge statistic. 97% of people going through divorce figure out a way to come to an agreement. And I wouldn't be surprised if 97% of people going into divorce are thinking the judge needs to know, I need to explain to like this decision maker. Like so often that that's almost every new person comes to me. And when I ask, well, why are you doing that? Like, well, evidence for the judge, because the judge, it's like, no, the judge isn't making these decisions. The vast right. majority of the time, it's not going that way. So it, and yet most people go into it thinking it, it does go that way. Yeah, absolutely. And they think the judge is going to agree with them, like you said earlier, right? <laughs> right. I'm just right. going to tell the judge my entire story and the judge is going to go, oh my God, you, you know, I, I can't Poor believe thing. it. Here you, you go. Yeah, exactly. Here's everything. <laughs> and yeah. I can tell you, I've been in a courtroom more times than I care to remember. And I have never seen a judge give someone everything or agree a hundred percent with one side. It just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Um, you just don't, you never know what's going to happen in a courtroom. And right now, I mean, I think it's wonderful that you pointed out the COVID situation because right now people who are in high conflict relationships, divorces, situations, this is a, a dangerous time because there is very little court availability. And that is just going to drag out for a very long period of time. Because even when the courts open back up, there just won't be judges and courtrooms available to handle the huge mass of cases that are out there right now. Um, and building, you know, I just uh, posted a statistic this morning that I saw in the New York Post yesterday, divorces since March are up 34% since this time last year. 
directly, they're attributing that directly to the COVID situation. So think about that. The courts were already overloaded and now everything that should have been heard through COVID and 34% more cases that are being generated during COVID are still waiting for the ability to go to court. So your ability to end this limbo, this divorce limbo, this horrible time in your life is the power is in getting your spouse to the mediation table so you can resolve it. Yeah, you you have presented that so crystal clear and so well. So I want to thank you because everything you said is going to to bolster my listeners to make that decision and begin to move in a direction where they can actually see a light at the end of the tunnel. And so thank you so much, Susan, for your time and all of your wisdom and advice. I'm so happy to share it. I will say one thing I hear from people, I should have mentioned this earlier, people always say, well, my spouse, how do I get my spouse to agree to mediation? Um, and there are a variety of ways. It's it's all, mainly how you present it to them. Um, and I actually have a video on my website, Divorce in a Better Way. It's actually the most watched video on my website, how to get your spouse to agree to mediate even if they are a narcissist. So if people want to go see that, um, that's a just... I give you some ideas about how to incentivize your spouse to come to the mediation table. Oh, that's perfect. And we're going to repost that too then. I'm going to grab that and repost it for my people because that sounds so perfect. Yeah. So Susan, how can our listeners find you? On the website, Susan, uh, divorceinabetterway.com. My email is susan at divorceinabetterway.com or through the podcast, which is the Divorce and Beyond podcast that has its own website, uh, divorceandbeyondpod.com. And uh, it's available on all major podcast outlets. And you said that there's something that they can actually uh, get from you as well. Do you have... um... Absolutely. I'm going, I've created a, my top five tips for a successful divorce. Um, Five things that I think everybody facing divorce, which as, as we just discussed, even more people are in that place right now. Uh, Five things that you can do to set yourself up for success. So I will supply um, that video link to you so that you can put it in the show notes. Beautiful. So you can check the show notes for that. And that's a nice freebie from Susan. Susan, thank you so much for your time. This has been fantastic. And listeners, stay tuned. We'll be back next week with another expert on high conflict divorce. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon. At Journey Beyond Divorce, we know that sometimes the most powerful support we can offer is to help you process the storm of emotions you're experiencing and gently challenge the beliefs that are keeping you stuck. The way Karen delivers her program is that she validates the feelings, the emotions, the ups, the downs. She 
hones in on the specifics that really talk to that particular person when they're going through this crazy emotional time. Let us be a beacon in the midst of this crazy emotional time. Book a free lifeline call with us to help lift the fog and begin practicing new ways of thinking, being, and doing that better support you as you journey through and beyond divorce. Our gift to you is taking that first step with you on your free Rapid Relief Lifeline call, where we help you navigate the emotional and logistical turbulence of separation and divorce. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call.